Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I am so here. I am so here and happy to be here. We had a super short show today because the twins are in New York. Hopefully going to make some problems for the Yankees. We'll see about that. That's coming up. Till then, we got a very good Show We're going to find out about the Festival of Nations. A lot of you probably know about it because it's been going on for a long time. A lot of you probably feel like you know about it, but you don't. We're going to learn some things. Also, you know what I want. I want to know what everybody's cooking. What are you up to? The most beautiful day that we've had, right? This is a good one. What are you grilling? How much coleslaw are you making? You can tell me who you're calling to come over. I'd be interested in that, too. Is it the first s'mores day of the year? Could be. 81807. I am very interested. I have an 11-year-old's birthday party later on. My little one, Toba, very excited about this. I've already gotten to the gluten-free bakery this morning, Sift. I went and got the gluten-free donuts for the gluten-free kids. We'll get the regular donuts on my way out of here for the kids that eat gluten. I am uh, the big this is the hot news this is what's happening in the world of 11 year olds tying donuts with strings to arbors and then you eat them with your hands behind your back that my friends i don't know how it's going to go but i'm happy that this is happening outside on a beautiful day this is not i think a rainy day activity so that's what's going on in my world what's going on in yours 81807 and here's what's going on in St. Paul, the Festival of Nations. All right, I got two bigwigs from the world of the Festival of Nations today. Jane Gropman is here. She's the executive director of the International Institute of Minnesota, which has been going strong for 100 years. Very impressive. And uh, Jamal Hashi, the chef and owner of Safari, Safari Express, a Safari in New York. And he's doing Somali food at the at the Festival of Nations, and also suddenly is in the Smithsonian. All kinds of things are happening. Jane and Jamal, welcome to the show. Thanks. Great to be here. All right. I I don't even know where to start. Jane, why don't I start with you? Tell people, like, this is is not a new thing, but it's what – what is going on in St. Paul right now? So, right, it's not new. The festival is going to have its 87th festival this year. Um, and so I think one thing that we really work hard at the International Institute to do, and the Institute is the host of this event, it's our big public event. Um, we have close to 40, uh, over 45,000 people that attend this event, um, 20, almost uh, 18,000 school kids that come to the event. So we're always trying to keep the festival relevant. And one ways that, way that we do that, which is a great overlap with the work that we do at the Institute, which is welcoming new Americans to our community so people who are new, you know, helping them get a foothold in our community so they feel part of it. And then people that have been here for longer that we're helping advance in their careers, become nurses, become doctors and other, you know, important jobs that um, we need in our community. 
So our services are very comprehensive. But um, every day at the Institute, we have um, hundreds of people coming to the Institute to learn English, to find out um, how do how does the medical system work here, how does the uh, higher education system work. So what I love about the festival, it's the, it's the one weekend where actually people who often are new to the country get to go to the festival and say, you know, this is my time and my turn to say, hey, you learn, get to learn this time about my culture, whether it's from Ethiopia, Somalia, Bangladesh, Korea. And um, so that's a really um, kind of the reverse of what we do. Most of the year, where oh, people. So I get it. So most of the year, you're like, this is how you drive. This is how you yes. open a banking account. Mm-hmm. These are all this is how you learn so- English. And it's very, you know, if you've ever traveled to another country, that, that can be hard enough. But to live in a new country and to learn all these skills that you have to have to survive here. And so this is a time when people get to showcase the work that they do. And what I love is yesterday I had so it's uh, the it's like the whole river center. I mean that's a big place. Yeah. And so what this is so all year you're helping people and you know immigrants navigate the United States. And this is the the celebration, the big party, the celebrate everyone yep. who's there, yep. taste all the foods. Yep. It's so interesting to think about it. The institute's a hundred years old. Then probably a hundred years ago, the faces that would be at this festival would have been. Swedish and Norwegian and, you know, that, all of the Irish, all of that. And now today it's like a whole bunch of new people in the melting pot of Minnesota. And Jamal Hashi, you are the you are the superstar, right? So you tell us about you. Yes, he is. You invented <laughs> you invented Safari and tell the story about how you founded that, because it was you were not a you know millionaire rolling through no. the streets. I think. <laughs> I think it all came together thanks to our mother that was uh, that always uh, believed in us. And um, so we started Safari here in downtown Minneapolis um, way, way back, I think around 97. Um, and at that time, I wasn't part of it. I joined Safari after 2002. Um, as and a, you, and you, tell, you were telling me in the green room, mm, your mom helped bankroll this from absolutely. her job where? Abs- absolutely, at Cup Foods. See, that's so great. Like, that's hard. She's so, raising a family. You're working at Cub Foods and still managed and still, to tuck away some money to help you out. And then help help the kids out. Exactly. And that's what mom has done. Until today, we are very grateful to her that she gave us a start in this business. And that, you know, through her efforts, we were able to have fed millions of people with different foods and influence foods around the world and where he's at. Okay, so you opened that place in downtown. Right. And then tell people, what kind of food did you have? So at- we started in downtown Minneapolis offering Somali uh, fair foods. Um, so you'd have traditional Somali cuisine such as roasted goat cutlets, steaks, um, chicken cotoletti, which are, you know, and one other dish that was really highlighted by um, at the festival this year is the sambusas that were really popular. Uh, so sambusas. So if anybody hasn't had a sambusa, you got to get on this. So they're a, a pastry exterior folded yeah. around. Absolutely. Wonderful, beautiful, delicious little things. Yeah. You can have a meat one. You can have a veggie one. And thanks to the new generation of Somali Americans, we have chicken sambusas. Oh. That's uh, some, uh, you know, came later as, um, you know, the Chinese Americans had the uh, chop suey. (laughs) (laughs) We had the chicken sambusa. (laughs) And so you opened the first one right out of downtown. Then you went to, this is kind of where I became more aware of you, at Midtown Global Market. More like quick serve concept. It was called Safari Express. Express, correct. As a fast casual, that way we can introduce more people to what Somali cuisine and what sambusas are. And I think global market was a, sort of like a, a um, um, it put us on a different standards in terms of, you know, 
influencing food and, you know, letting people know what kind of food we serve. And it gave us a great platform in that setting. And then you were doing catering. And then all of a sudden you were like, I think I'd like to take over New York City. Is that how it went? And then New York City was the, you know, they said if you can make it in the Big Apple, you can make it anywhere. <laughs> so the Big Apple was our next challenge. And I opened up a safari restaurant in Harlem, New York, as of three years ago. And the next thing you knew, Smithsonian Institution, our wonderful National Museum, was like, Absolutely. you know who's important around here? Food. <laughs> food. Food was the highlight. I think the key thing, you know, one thing that, you know, um, Jane was touching on is the Institute as well. Um, you know, they helped tons of people. So my family was also helped by the Institute. And I've never shared this story with you as well. Um, so there's sort of like a door when you're coming into, the, you know, the States. There's so much to navigate. So much to discover, you know, um, but to be, you know, shown and to be with a, with a care, you know, most, I find that most Americans are impatient when it comes to, you know, new immigrants that don't you know, know how to navigate through the shopping or, you know, figuring small things out like papers, you know, how to file um, taxes, even that, or how to get documents such as green card and so on. So it's really important that, you know, the Institute is here to help us do that. And then, and so on and so on. Other immigrants come in, and we volunteer as well to help those immigrants sort of navigate through the same routes that we have. Yeah, there's through. so many things that, as an American, you just think are like totally normal. I remember when I was uh, in uh, in college, kind of helping uh, with this other project. Some people that were in from from another country, we went to this grocery store, and they thought that the pictures. Um, the dog food cans with the pictures of dogs on them. They thought it contained dogs. It was like, well, why wouldn't you think that? It's, you know, everything else shows what's inside the can, but actually it's a food for dogs. It's not just canned dogs in there. And it's, there's so many little things. I lived in the Netherlands for a year. I was confused the whole time. I couldn't figure out when things were open, when they were closing, what the national holidays were. Baffled. You know, and one thing Jar just wanted to mention is, um, talked a little bit about the history of the festival and, the festival started, um, you know, in the late in the 30s because, um, believe it or not, uh, Norwegians and Swedes and Germans and Irish people, there was a lot of conflict between those groups. So the festival actually started um, in our community by the Institute so that those groups could actually get to know one another and showcase their cultures. Wow. So, you know, you know, you know. People integrating into the U.S., it's, there's always challenges with that. There always has been, Absolutely. no matter what the group is. So we want to make sure that new groups that are coming, whether it's Somalis, there's a new booth, uh, food booth, the Bangladeshi booth, which is fantastic. They serve this great group, uh, dish, fushka, which is little pastries, and they fill it with all different mm-hmm. kinds of uh, vegetables and cover it with tamarind. And um, so we want to make those new, sure those new groups have a place to come, showcase their culture, feel that they're part of the community, mm-hmm. and then the community comes and gets to feel a part of their culture. Very and that's it, it seems simple, but it's, it's really very important. And one of the best things about being there is you can feel the pride people feel in their cultures, whether in, in uh, the, it, there's music, there's crafts that they're making, um, some of them very sophisticated, and you can just feel the pride that people Absolutely. feel. And on the um, Thursdays and Fridays, we have almost 20,000 kids that come to the event. And it's so great to see, you know, we had kids from Wisconsin who said, we don't have a lot of diversity in Absolutely. our community. And so we come here and our teachers want us to come here. So they learn and they're getting an education in that way. And Absolutely. you can go around the world. You're going to have, exactly. if you world. get sure down can. to River Center today for the for the Festival of Nations, you can have 35 different foods from different nations. That's just 
a delicious thing. <laughs> I love 35. And 98 different ethnic groups that are ethnic represented groups. there. Oh. Amazing. I mean, that's the it whole is. world in one building. It is. You know, it's the great. beautiful languages, the colors, the clothing. It is. A that's world really well put. Okay, everybody, you can't go around the world today unless you go to Festival of Nations. Absolutely. Get it all done. It's very efficient. You get a passport at the door. <laughs> you can get a passport at the door, yes. <laughs> you can find out more at uh, festivalofnations.com. And you guys, thank you for coming in. Thank it's you great. so much. Thanks so much for having us. us. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Sarah here. All right. I'm sad, though. I don't get to spend a ton of time with you today, but I do hope the twins kick some Yankee uh, patootie. My, I grew up in New York, as you know, from a long fa- a family of Mets supporters. So I got a vendetta against the Yankees at all times. Nobody appreciates the Mets. <laughs> That's what I came here to say today. Uh, all right. So here's the things that are going on in the world of food. I thought, what could we do today to kind of have a good recipe roundup that would attach ourselves to the Festival of Nations in a smart way? So I've got coleslaws from around the world. If you think that all-American mayonnaise coleslaw is the only coleslaw, it's not. It's not. Uh, it might be the best. I don't know. It's, I, have a, I have a big spot in my heart for the, the Hellman's Classic Coleslaw. I love it. Anyway, so if you go to WCCORadio.com right now, you will see five, count them, five wonderful coleslaw recipes, including this one that people are just keep telling me they love so much, the Vietnamese-inspired miso ginger coleslaw, kind of like a banh mi sandwich, but it's a coleslaw. So good. Traditional German coleslaw. Yes, they had cabbage. Before we did. That's how that worked. <laughs> and uh, that was a, a mustard coleslaw. A little kind of new hippie gourmet variation. The curry coleslaw with currants. What? So British. A little French apple slaw. That's up there. And as I said, the all-American creamy coleslaw. All right. I got a question about the exciting feature in Minneapolis St. Paul magazine. I wrote about the hot beef commercial. Uh, someone is saying, yeah, I agree with your analysis. The name Hot Beef Commercial, the commercial, I don't think it came from Traveling Salesman. I did a lot of research into this. I'm glad that you are agreeing with me. I think it came from the original beef grade system in which commercial was really good. The same way we had prime rib and everybody knows what that is. I think we used to have beef commercial and everybody thought like, oh, that that's a, an appellation of quality. That's what that meant. So um, if you want to read the full argument, pick up the current issue. And there's some glistening pictures of gravy that I think you probably want to just tack up on your locker so that everybody knows how much you like a hot beef commercial, which I am now believe is the most important Minnesota sandwich, more important than the Juicy Lucy. Yes, we can meet at dawn 50 paces and uh, have that have that duel. Jonathan's face just lit up. He's like, no, not a not a war, not I'm just, now. I'm just saying you <laughs> you may get some calls on that one. Yeah, oh, that's fine. Hot beef, real gravy, real mashed potatoes, homemade bread. If you got it, is the greatest sandwich that has ever lived. And uh, and that's because nobody does the individual pieces. Our, our great grandparents lived in a paradise unimaginable. Because everybody knew how to make gravy. We just live in this degraded universe of powder and sadness. But, you know, we can all learn to make gravy. It's not the hardest thing in the world. What is happening next week? Real live fisherman, Al Catone, is going to tell us what's going on in Gloucester. 
in advance of him coming to do a seafood panel and this whole rigmarole with me. I'm on the sustainable seafood train. You know it. Love all those sustainable shrimp. So till next week, may all your shrimp be jumbo and your troubles be shrimpy. And I will see you here next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.